What's up, everybody? Um, hope Creighton fans are all doing well. This is uh, Matt DeMarinas, uh checking in from White and Blue Review. Sitting here with Johnny Atawa from the Omaha World Herald. After uh, Creighton's 89-58 win over Texas Rio Grande Valley. Um, in their post-finals uh, tune-up for Oklahoma-Arizona State and the end of their non-conference I guess, well, the non-conference portion of their season that will count on their resume, if you will, um, before Big East play. Uh, Jays went by 31 tonight. They did it in a little bit of an unconventional manner because foul trouble and injuries um, reared their head again, and Jays had to deal with it. Uh, John, your thoughts on Creighton's performance tonight, given the circumstances and all? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that, like, I don't know, man. It seems like Tyshawn, Marcus, and Mitch are, are balling with this sort of no-excuse mentality, you know. And they are the, – they were the three best players on the floor going in, and they played like it. It makes sense that they all had good nights. But, you know, sometimes circumstances can dictate your attitude. And I thought uh, tonight and really all season, those three have done a really good job of not allowing that. I don't know if they would have handled it the same way a year ago. Um, maybe they would have. I don't know. But they are – They, I think they were sort of mentally prepared to, going into the start of the season after some injuries late in the preseason, uh, prepared to sort of grind. And they knew that they were going to have to kind of lead the way and, and deal with a little bit of adversity. So, um, you know, when Creighton's down to six available scholarship players six minutes into the game – you don't see any sort of – you don't see, like, the shoulder slump in for their top three guys. They're kind of just like, all right, let's let's keep balling. And, uh, you know, you know, next 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 man up, let's go. And you see him fighting and Mitch Ballack fighting for position on the block. You know, they posted him up on one, one play. Um, and he found Ty cut into the rim and got to the free throw line with that. Uh I just I, I felt like those three did a really good job of setting the tone and make, making plays, and obviously that's what they should do because, like I said, uh, Rio Grande Valley is not very good. Mm-hmm. But it's one thing that to say they should, and then it's another thing for them to like, do it well, with the with the efficiency that they did. I think it's interesting that you went for tone setter because I thought Damian Jefferson was a tone setter, and then he got hurt. So I think. Just to further enhance your point, it's uh, a credit to those three that they were able to, you know, watch DJ get off to the start that he had got off to with his activity level and, and especially the way he was scoring offensively, um, going to the rim and getting into the paint. And then for him to get hurt and head back to the locker room, for that not to be – it didn't it didn't rattle them. Yeah, because they, they kind of just like, all right, well, you got to know. Down, they got to know that they're like, okay, Damien's out, uh-oh. We're gonna play all twenty minutes of this first half. Yeah. You know, like they got to know that in their head. Yeah, I think <laughs> so, it helps that they're that, that, that they're three guys that don't necessarily ever want to come out of the game in the first place. Like true, they're kind of wired. Like yeah. they don't want to be off the court in the first. You know, that probably helps a little bit, don't you think? Because yeah. they want to be they want to be the ones deciding the game in the first place. So to be put in that position is kind of I don't know what. Ignore the part that they're that they're human beings and are supposed to get tired eventually. They want to be on the floor when the game is being decided anyway. So right. that probably helps them 
just lock in even more when they realize it's inevitable that they're going to be out there for, if not the entire half, long stretches of it. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. Defense, I don't know how much we can really talk about this game other than the defensive end of the floor because I felt like, you know, there's a lot that finals week does to a team's ability to prepare itself for what they're facing. And for them not to be flat and um, unfocused on that end of the floor, especially coming off of a Nebraska game where they felt like they let up and um, didn't finish that game the way they, they thought they could have. Um, I thought their energy level and their engagement and their just, you know, ability to be stifling defensively, even with the shorter, smaller lineup on the floor, um, was really good for basically the entire game. And I think that's, I don't know, if we're throwing this one into a file right now with the rest of the season, I think this is their best defensive performance of the year. I know we can talk about opponents and whatnot, but I don't think UTRGV is any worse than Kennesaw State or Cal Poly. Offensively, they might be, though. I don't know if you saw their offensive numbers. Pretty bad coming into the game. Okay, so you we are wearing Valley. Okay, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like they. I feel like they. I think. I think Oral uh, North Florida might have been their best. Okay, defensive performance because that was a, yeah, that was a better offensive team. Okay. Yeah, but that's fair. I, yeah, I get your point though. Like, I mean, their first shot defense. I was just tallying it up. Their first shot defense. So they gave up thirteen second chance opportunities tonight and. UTRGV converted those into 18 points. So the UTRGV, so, so on those 13 possessions, yeah, UTRGV was 8 to 10 shooting from the floor. On the f- 60 possessions where they didn't get an offensive rebound, they were still basically Creighton's first shot defense tonight. Um, What's well, 17 of 53? What is that? Um, like 33%. Yeah, so that's what that's what they were shooting. That's what they were really giving up on the first shot. And then. So, yeah, 32.1% from the field on first shot, and then that's from the field overall, and then 2 of 15 from 3, 13% from the three-point line yeah. on their first shot D. Right. Um, and then they only got to the – and they were only 4-7 from the free-throw line in that same um, – against that same – you know, that same category. So, like I said, I thought Creighton's defense, you know, and plugging gaps and forcing turnovers. I mean, they forced 20 turnovers tonight. I think they had 11 – or 8 steals, so – you know, eight live ball opportunities for them to get out and run. Um, and I think what their points off turnovers, they had 28 points off turnovers. I know all that is that doesn't necessarily correlate because you and I both agree that points off turnovers is a little bit flawed, right? Cause yeah, I'm not a believer in that set. Yeah, I'm not a believer in that set. Right. Um, it can be a little misleading. Sure. Sometimes, sometimes it's accurate, but. Yeah. So, but to force 20 turnovers, um, you know, with just being a little scrappy, getting in there, forcing jump balls and that went the other direction. Um, just knocking the ball away, being opportunistic and not letting that undersized lineup get kind of bogged down and uh, pinned down, I guess, under the glass and let a guy just catch it and go up. Yeah. I thought they were really good at, you know, their fight for 40 minutes was really good on the end of the floor, yeah. regardless no, of who was on the, on the court for them. And, and uh, as you mentioned, it's finals week, so the, the focus is a little bit uh, – <clears throat> It's indifferent. It's mm-hmm. pointed in different ways. And Coach McDermott mentioned after the game that Creighton practice at odd times. It's like 10 a.m. practice on Thursday, noon on, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. What time they practice? Tuesday, like 3. They took Sunday and Monday off. Yeah. Normally they're like a 2.30 practice team every day. Yep. And so the routine was was mixed up a little bit. And Obviously finals, they were thinking about that, coming off an emotional win against Nebraska. There were a lot of reasons 
uh, or there was a case to be made for Creighton to come out flat um, with that, with maybe not enough energy or enthusiasm, but they it was the opposite. I thought that the Jays were really locked in and they gave um, they gave good effort and and they were focused too defensively because as you said to do what they did they had to be locked in and assignment sound and and um, one of the things that McDermott mentioned too was that they they knew there were a couple guys that um, that they would leave open for jump shots and they could help off those guys and they carried that piece of the game plan out pretty well he said his players did just like you know, if, if if you're guarding so and so, and we we're gonna let him shoot, but if somebody's driving, you that means that player can come over and help. And so yeah, so we can go ahead and name them if we want to. So Jordan Jackson was the guy they decided to. Uh, um, Creighton calls them dorks if they, if they if they are like guys that don't need to be guarded on the perimeter. Basically, if they think they're just gonna shoot themselves, shoot their own team out of a game. Um, so Jordan Jackson came in. Um, he was 21.9% from three on the season, and he jacked up six of them tonight and missed all six. Yeah. And did 6-19 from the field, uh, finished with 13 points in 31 minutes, had five turnovers. So Creighton was giving I, him a lot of space to do whatever he felt like he could do, and the five turnovers came from him trying to force his way into a better spot on the yeah. floor because he knew he wasn't going to. Um, he knew the shot wasn't obviously falling tonight, um, as it hasn't been all year, but you know Creighton's – like you said, to their scouting report, um, they were they were giving him the space that where he's not good, and yeah. he wasn't able to make them pay for it. Yeah, he was one guy that I thought they did a good job of keeping him from getting deep in the lane. Yeah, like he when he drove his shots, he had to release the shot before he got to ten feet most of the time. So they did, um, they did well there. And then the other guy, uh, Connor Rains. I hope I'm I think that's how you say his last name. Um, he was shooting 61% from three on the year. He only shoots two a game, but that's still a guy at 61%. That's a guy you have to make sure you're tagging at all at all times, and he didn't get any threes at all. So, yeah. you know, when you just when you just go down the line and look at who did what well um, coming in, Creighton pretty much did a good job neutralizing those players for UTRDB. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even Anthony Bratton. I mean, he was coming off of a 12 and 14 game against uh, Sam Houston State and over double overtime, uh, double overtime win, and even against you know Mitch Ballack all night, he only had that one dunk where he, Mitch was kind of 50 50 on him on front and or. Uh, Mitch kind of gambled a little bit, yeah, trying to go for the steal or the knock away on the on the entry pass, mm-hmm. missed it. That was really his only dunk. clean catch and yeah. and uh, attempt all night. I mean, it was three for four, but he only had two rebounds. Um, he only played 18 so, minutes, too. I think they, they yeah. ended up going small because Creighton was small. Because Creighton was small. Because yeah. they, they stopped Creighton from getting to the, to getting to the rim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the next topic I want to touch on. What did you think of Tyshawn and Marcus's ability? When Creighton, especially when Creighton was, you know, in the first half with that smaller line over the last 10 minutes and they were um, clearly just kind of settling things down in, in the in the quarter court and um, – just setting a ball screen and looking for a mismatch and attacking it downhill. Yeah, I thought they were both really good. So, Marcus, let's see. What is he, six of eight from two yep. tonight? So that makes him uh, 29, 29 of, 37. of 37 in his last four games from um, inside the arc. Inside the arc. And crazy. he's a 6'1". What was he, 6'2"? 6'1 and 6'1.75, I think, is what he measures at. <laughs> there you they go. They round up to 6'2". Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, 
six one and three quarters. Yeah. yeah, he can play at the rim. Like he finishes. That's why. That's why. That's why I hate the Fred Van Vliet comp. I'm not going to try to get on a tangent here, but I hate that comp because Van Vliet was a below the rim finisher. Marcus is an at the rim finisher. Yeah, depending size, he can get all the way up to the rim. Right. Like if you're going to block him, you have to be up there. But there's some guys like that's, what's I mean, Jaw ja is like six three. Is that ja, right, John ja Morant? Okay. I was just going to say like. There's some smaller stature guys that uh-huh. finish above the rim. Okay. I was trying to figure out where you were going with that. Yeah. I like, no, well, I was like, yes. <laughs> he is. You know what I'm saying? Like, Josh there's 6'3 that plays 6'9. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. There's yeah, some Marcus is like 6'2 that plays 6'8 because he can get up there. Yeah. Like, he can get to the rim all the way. And he, and right. honestly, but he's not going to like dunk on dudes, but. He used to talk. He said he, said he wants to. I think it's not. I think it's. I think it's been coached out of him at this point because he's just not that guy. Uh, but he said he used to punch on people all the time in high school. And he wants to get okay. that bounce back before, there you his, go. before his injury. So um, um, I've only seen him dunk once. So I, I, I just. Skeptical. I find it just really impressive what he's done inside the arc mm. in the last few games, and I think it's taken Creighton's offense to another level. And uh, and Tyson Alexander, I thought did a good job too of responding to the way that. Uh, UTRGV extended out against him mm-hmm. and tried to take away the jump shot. There's, I remember one in, one moment in particular where uh, they closed out hard in transition on a shot that he normally takes. He loves those like step in threes yep. in transition, <clears throat> and the defender closed out. And so instead of shooting it, he went to the rim. And he mentioned like maybe. He felt like his first shot was flat or something or short. It was way short. Yeah. Um, and so then he was like, all right, I'm just going to go to the rim done. tonight. <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, you know, he did most of his damage at the free throw line. So, so I mean, I, he was 10 of 10 at the line in the first half. So, yeah. Yeah, he he really uh, did attack down. I thought, I thought he got the benefit of a friendly whistle a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you like the aggressiveness from him in Miami. I, I don't know. The fr- Maybe a little bit undisciplined defending against him at times because, like, the fouls weren't, like... Well, how much of it did you think was, the to their point, that because there was so much space inside, it was almost... They were invited. It was, it was, yeah, it was yeah, almost like no, you a, should... It was almost like we have to go in there and at least see what we can make the defense do mm-hmm. in terms of how many numbers we can get to commit to us when we get to the rim. And if we can get all the way to the rim, then we're just going up yeah. at that point. So, yeah. I mean, certainly with Marcus, he was able to get all the way to the rim. Yep. Um, and with Ty, he was able to get to the free throw line a lot. Right. So I think, uh, you know, they at least made – they at least tried to make um, Rio Grande an honest defense because yeah. at, when Creighton went small, they weren't being an honest defense. They are like, there's nobody in the post that can that we need to worry about, so we're just going to hug the perimeter and and really uh, clamp down on Creighton shooters. And if they – we give, if there's driving lanes there. If they take them, then we'll – Adjust there, but they made they made that defense um, have to adjust because they were getting into the gaps and they were getting all the way to the rim if there was a, if there was a seam to, to blow through. So yeah, I thought their ability. So I mean, I, I think that goes to their ability to read the game because I mean, certainly Marcus we know can read it pretty well, but you know Tyshawn likes to play early in the shot clock sometimes, and that's where um, you know you've noted several times throughout the season that he gets some of his. He's, he's he's most efficient when he's attacking early in the shot yep. clock, and even yep. when he's pulling up from three, for him to kind of identify that um, that was being taken away tonight, and to be more patient, more deliberate, um, and attack downhill more often than he really has all year, I think, uh, was a sign that he that they were, you know, that they're reading the game pretty well at this point. Yeah. 
Um, let's talk about the guys who had to be uh, the next men up, if you will, because I think Greg McDermott mentioned that in the post game that it's it's not just as simple as we're going to call your number on a given night and whatever happens happens. Like you have to be um, prepared. Yeah. Uh, so obviously we didn't talk to any of these guys to know what their mindsets were going in, but we, we have seen them on a daily basis in terms of the work they put in. Uh, what did you see out of the Jack Canfields, the Nick Ziles, the Jalen Windhams right. uh, that came off the bench tonight and played extended roles uh, when Creighton needed them, when the numbers were down to six scholarship guys? I felt like Jet made so many good decisions. He only had two assists. Yeah. That's- yeah, the assist numbers aren't great tonight. Well, yeah, but it, it, it's because of what we talked about. It is because you, of what we talked you, about. You space out the floor, and then the, was, the guards attack, one-on-one, yeah. and one-on-one yeah. make plays. And, and when Tyshawn Alexander shoots 15 free throws, and you know right. that eliminates a lot of assist opportunities there. Yeah, we're still working on getting assists to count for free throws. We, we think that should be a stat. Uh, it right? depends on the situation. But okay. I'm team. I'm Your team, team assists I'm counts. A team, I'm team. Well, I mean, if it's, if it's going to be an assist on the play, yeah. I'm team Because Mitch Valick had that one play where he posted up and dished to Ty, yeah. cut to the rim, and got Ty got fouled. Yeah, there were a couple of ones missed where Ty it, was but just he missed weird. it. Right. You, you want Mitch oh, to get no, that no, assist. No, no, no. You want Mitch, Mitch to get that assist. Yeah, if he gets fouled, yeah. then that, that's the reason okay. he missed, for sure. Yeah. I, don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. No? Anyway, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll work on it. what if he goes one and two from the line? Is that a half, assist, half an assist? Um, no, it's points. I mean, yeah, it's an assist. You get one, right? I don't know. You don't. You think an assist should only be worth two or three? I, I'm just saying. You don't. They don't. That's how it goes. I don't. know. Yeah, but that's because of the points that it results in. There's not a right. one point around the floor. Point floor. That's what I'm saying. So you bring free throws into it, then there is a one point around the floor. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know if I feel good, comfortable about this. We'll work on it. We'll we'll, we'll soften you up as the year goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, like, yeah, yeah Jalen yeah. Windham was right. setting ball screens. Setting ball screens. Never seen you know him do that. that. Right, you know that right away, too. Like, is that a ball screen from Jalen? Yeah. I go, I mean, he's standing in that spot, <laughs> and he's walling off a defender. Use that term so, loosely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ball he's screen. doing all the things that a ball screen a man would do. Yeah. So, yes. Nick Zile, I told you during the game, I was like, he's having some low-key, solid seal-offs. Right. Like, keeping his guy from helping on a driver. And uh, I think he cleared the way for a couple of Sharif Mitchell's layups. And like I said, yeah, Jack was making good decisions. I, uh, I don't know. I, I one of the things that Mitch and Tyshawn and Marcus have talked about all year is just like trying to be those steady leaders that um, can instill confidence in the rest of their team because of the way that they carry themselves and the way that they support one another in practice. I remember Jalen yeah. Wyndham talking about how supportive of an environment, and Sharif mentioned this too, just how supportive of an environment it is on a day-to-day basis in that in that facility, in that gym. Like, you know, the, they're going to make mistakes. They make mistakes a lot, and um, there's days when they leave the gym, like, shaking their head, but they're always, they're, they're veterans that are always there to pick them up. And so, um, and I think McDermott mentioned after the game, like those guys are instilled with confidence because of the way the leaders interact with them and carry themselves and kind of the culture that's set up here. So they were, it, it is sort of, it's never guaranteed that these guys are going to be ready to play, but I think that they were kind of like boosted by the encouragement that the other guys on the floor um, had 
or, or shared with them. Yeah. And then I think Tyshawn talked about trust, like trust in that <coughs> they know they know what they're going to get from these players, and they're going to work hard. Mm-hmm. And you know, like and if you make mistakes, not, they and and they're they not. Gonna, I don't think any of those guys played like outside of what their role is. Right. You know, like they just kind of did what they needed, and they did make mistakes, but it it, it wasn't to the point where they were, you were just kind of like, yo, man, like, what are you? Why are you doing this? Or you're, you're trying to, you're forcing it. It mm-hmm. didn't feel like that from those guys. So right. it, it just allowed Tyson Alexander and Marcus Zagorowski and Mitch Bally to continue to sort of set the tone. And these guys just kind of played in mm-hmm. and, and found their, I think, played one, into it. Yeah, I think one thing with Jet uh, is, you know, most of these guys are playing, are used to playing with him on the scout team that he runs on a daily basis. And I think. He's a guy who's constantly encouraging, um, uh, you know, that that scouting team to, you know, keep their heads up and stay engaged and understand the importance of their roles in a, in practice on a daily basis to get the main rotation guys ready. Um, so I think for him to come in, he's I think he's one of the guys that is always ready to go no matter when you call his number. And I think the rest of the guys. Uh, you know the Nick Siles and Jalen Windhams are starting to feed off of him more because he's a pretty good floor general and leader in the role that he's being charged with on a daily basis, and I think that yeah. that 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 he deserves credit for, um, along with the the big three of kind of instilling confidence in those guys in the roles that they're in um, because they do simulate that they do simulate being dudes on an everyday basis. They just aren't. You know, just from a game standpoint, there's guys ahead of them in the in the depth chart. So it is kind of crazy that Jet, Nick, and Jalen, who ended up playing um, pretty significant minutes, Jet had 24 minutes, Jalen went to 22, Nick Zile 13. Like they were all on the scout team this week. Mm-hmm. They didn't play minutes with the ones, right? No, no, no. like <laughs> they they were simulating, and then all, all of a sudden now they're in, mm-hmm. and so that, yeah, I mean commend them for their ability to, to step up when their number is called. Mm-hmm. Um, should we get to questions? 23 minutes in? Yep. Anything else you want to touch on? Um, I don't know if there's anything that stands out. Marcus Zagorowski's like, killer crossover step back three-pointer at, at the buzzer. God, he's nasty, isn't he? <laughs> that's a nice move. He's a super efficient you, scorer. I think like yeah. that's... Is that a that's little what bit, he's been lately. Is that a little bit surprising? I don't know if I... I think I, I I I loved his all around game coming out of high school. I don't think I expected him to be this efficient of a scorer. Yeah. Maybe in certainly not early. But in again, year two. he is benefiting. especially with no off seasons. That's uh, yeah. the craziest part. He he's benefiting from having Tyshawn and Mitch on the floor for sure. Okay, yeah, that's fair. But uh, yeah, what he's done and, and the evolution of his game in terms of like because last year he did. I mean, he did attack downhill, mm-hmm. but not to the degree that he's doing now. No, like he, he, he was more likely to pull up and shoot threes uh he's kind of turned sometimes i mean he still takes those shots obviously but like sometimes you just see him turn it down at the region so he can get downhill mm-hmm. and then the different ways that he's finishing with floaters and leaners and obviously layups at the rim but uh i don't know man yeah he's having he's off to a really good start for sure all right let's see what about sharif's like uh Oh, he had a nasty one, the, didn't he? The, that Rondo. The Rondo. Yeah, like the, pulled the ball back. fake. Yeah, cut the ball on a string. Yeah. That was a nice move. That was really nice. That was really on, too. 
Or Sharif might have the best, like, um, I don't know. Stop, start it, game? Like, it's either that or, like, if you, he, the moment, you know, the moments on the playground when somebody would make a move and the place would erupt, like, Sharif leads the team in that this year. Because okay. that against Nebraska, he had the double crossover, reverse like, layup. I feel like he has an unfair advantage being the Omaha kid there, but yeah, I'm with you. There were some. I, I'm just play. saying that he has these moves that like it almost yeah, the makes moves, it stop. Yeah, I'm t- the, the moves like, are. I'm with you on. Yeah, as far as the crowd reaction, that's he's got. No, like, yeah, that's true. But I was like, a, I mean, he's got like right. the you know the popularity contest yeah. every night. So if he does anything, but he's had that. He had the um, the crossover spin, I think, in transition against Oral Roberts late in that game. Mm-hmm. Like, he has a nice little highlight reel he's put together on just like. Those ooh and ah moments. Oh, yeah. and then of course the, the play against Nebraska where he stole the ball and weaved around the, yeah, the court. Basically, did turn the Oscars into a cone drill. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they did. They were just like it was like they were frozen in time watching him go up and down the court. It was crazy. I mean, because he picked Javier Green's pocket, then Green tried to get him right back, so he like shook him off with a couple moves, and then weaved in and around two other guys, and yeah. then found Mitch. Found Mitch. Yeah. That was that was crazy. Um. Let's see. I'm trying to think when all these start. Some of them are on Denzel. Uh, he's back. Like uh, Oklahoma is his first game, so he's officially in the fold now. So that's yeah. You can stop asking about him. He's gonna play. Um, and I wrote a little bit about Denzel and Davion um, in Friday's paper. Yep. It's online, so go check it out because I yeah, there was a good ex- little breakdown of uh, what they're bringing, also, and still some questions that need to be answered with their additions. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I think the biggest thing that Denzel is going to bring is on offense a, another sort of weapon to or, or, or he's going to allow them to break lulls. Um, or give them another option to help break lulls because they, there are stretches, even as efficient as Creighton's been to this point offensively, and, and against teams that have been really physical in particular, <coughs> mm-hmm. they've hit lulls and stretches where they haven't had. They've, they've struggled to get easy, high percentage looks at times. And I think Denzel, because of his ability to get to the free throw line, because of his just stature, like he and he's a, he's a mis, mismatch type guy. Like they could just ISO him and get get buckets so that'll help and then defensively his length I think is going to be impactful yeah agreed on all counts uh Brian wants to know any word on Antoine Jones um like I don't know last I heard Memphis wasn't entirely cooperative as maybe they assumed they would be um so it doesn't sound like that's going to happen I felt like it was a probably long, just rule it felt like a kind of a long shot anyway it, yeah, given the timing definitely, definitely was Given the timing. Because they were late to submit that. Yeah. They didn't submit it, I think, until the widget got eligible for SDSU. Is that where he's at now? I don't know where he is, actually. I think he's at South Dakota State. Okay. I, felt like he, I thought he played in Lincoln, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I think once they saw that get cleared, they were like, oh, let's see if we can get our guy cleared. Yeah. So it was a little bit late in the mix, and then obviously I think uh, – Memphis's cooperation is a key component too, maybe, but they're not exactly on great standing right now to tell the NCAA anything. Um, so yeah, I think that's a long shot at this point. You can probably go ahead and rule it out, and if, if he plays, we'll all be pleasantly surprised, right? Anything yeah. else to the contrary on that? No, no. I, I, it's just kind of felt like he's he's sitting out. Yep. Um, he brings a good. I, I like his attitude though. His he's 
really he's got a lot of swagger have in you, practice. Have you and noticed like, like he at games? Brings a lot he of, is st- he's standing. Whoever's sitting behind Antoine Jones, yeah. sorry, like, <laughs> that sucks. Worst seat in the house. Yeah, seriously, that dude is standing yeah. like. Every time the ball is on that side of the floor, he's standing either when Crane's on defense the first half or on offense the second half. He's standing, like, encouraging the guys. And, uh, yeah, he's a hype man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's good. I mean, he's blended in well. Yeah, for sure. I think they all, I think they all get along with him. Like, yeah. I think they all think he's, he brings that, like, loosey-goosey energy that's sometimes good to break through the but also, monotony of the day-to-day grind. But also, like – on the court, I mean, he can be a fierce competitor too. So, yeah, yeah. he yeah, kind of gives him that an edge. scrimmage was where <laughs> yeah. he could just do yeah. his thing. That was the inter squad scrimmage back in in uh, uh, what October? October, so? yeah, yeah where he just like put his head down. and He's like, no one's guarding me today. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to get mine, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Martin Swanson wants to know serious question here. Every time someone says serious question here, I always think it's not going to be one. Um, did Mac lose a clothing contract? Yep, see. Appears to have lost his tie. So, yeah, I, don't, I haven't asked him why he hasn't gone with a tie. I always thought it was because of the winning streak. I, yeah, I thought it was superstition. I just assume, I just assume with coaches, if you're talking about a tire, yeah. it's superstition. So, I'm trying to think that, I mean, I don't think he was wearing one to start the year, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe they, or maybe, maybe he, no, he was wearing one and they lost to Michigan. I think he stopped wearing one. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure. And I think, and when they, in Vegas, he wasn't wearing a suit or a tie at all. So I think he just, since they came back yeah, with a win yeah. over Texas Tech with the no tie, he kept the no tie going. So I think the no tie has to do with the winning streak. Because they wear, haven't lost with it yet. Did he wear a tie for the, I thought he wore a tie for the Creighton Nebraska game. He oh, he did? No, he didn't. Yeah, I didn't think he did either. Fred Hoiberg's not going. He's, he's got yeah, the tie left. Hoiberg never goes tie. Maybe that's just the way it goes. How how do you feel about it? I'm not even sure if how I feel about coaches having to even dress up on the sideline. That's what I'm saying. I'm not pro coaches in suits in the first place. Like, I mean, um, I think to each his own. I mean, I think it's unfair that Kirsten kind of gets to dominate the uh, Kirsten Bernthal Booth gets to dominate the wardrobe every year because you know, like Ed Service has to wear a uniform and. Uh, you know the Mac and Flan have to wear suits and you know dress up nice and everything. Like Booth kind of gets to like show off a little. She gets to have some swagger to her attire. You know, what I'm saying? Well, I mean, she busts out the blue leather jacket for big matches. Like yeah, that yeah, looks well, but that's the, a sharp what, look. Mac and Flan could do the same if they really wanted to. Like they go with go. the three piece yeah. J. J. Wright style right, type of deal. Could. I guess Flan's never been a. I've never seen Flan wear a jacket for a game in my life. I think he copied that from Dana. I, I know, but I think I, Flynn's like a movement guy. You know, he's yeah, yeah. He's got the he would rip a jacket. Yeah, you're saying so. yeah, it would be he'd waste a lot of money. Yeah. Um, or we, we or do, end up do, on the floor. We should collaborate on a piece for like coaching and game day attire and see why they choose what they choose. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think he's just going. I think he's going no tie because they keep winning without the tie. So I think if like I think if they lose, you know. And then, so watch for the next game after that, because I bet you he'll be back in a tie if they lose, or when they lose. Um, uh, Brian wants to know: Will Epperson play this year? Unlikely. Yeah, probably not. I mean, it's even a question mark if he plays again. Honestly, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. No, he can, too he early to say. To, yeah, he seems to be. I mean, I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's been. 
every time he tries, he gets hurt. So it's like it's true. At what point do you have to just? Uh, but it, you know, but it's not like he's he's totally giving up. True. He's sitting there at practice the other day with a basketball. Yeah, no, he's around. still he's still a part of the team. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. He. I. Don't, I. I. Do, I would be shocked beyond anything I can comprehend if he plays this year. Yeah. Um. He is off the crutches though. That's a, that's an update we can give you guys. He's off. Yep. The coach is good to see because he's he's moving around and in good spirits and. He doesn't look like if you if you just walked in the gym and you know I said find the kid that sh- broke his leg in half a month ago it'd probably be tough right yeah um Robbie Lula wants to know would Creighton have won this game playing four on five did, are I mean they kind of did because they didn't is guard, Marcus Tyshawn and are Marcus Tyshawn and Mitch part of the four? part of the four yeah you have to guarantee that is what you're saying. Yeah, that would have been tough. I mean, like, Jordan Jackson kind of was the guy. I mean, he was. They were playing four on five. Real Grand. So they didn't. They didn't let the, they yeah didn't guard that guy. But on offense, though, Real Grand's good at pressing. True, that'd be tough. So that would have. Then again, Sharif kind of tried to break it by himself. So <laughs> he did. No, maybe that, would, maybe that wouldn't bother. Him. Maybe you just give the ball to Sharif, and then you've then you're fine. Yeah. More highlights for him. <laughs> with a four on five. I don't. I don't. Know. Um, I don't think they would have won that. Well, they won thirty-one five on five. So what? What's the? That's all erased on four and five. Remember yeah. the? Remember who, who played four on five last year? Alabama. No, that was oh, three on no, five. What is it? Minnesota. Al- Minnesota and Alabama. Al- yeah, Alabama had three players, yeah. and Colin Sexton dropped like forty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I think it's harder to guard that it's in ha- some yeah. weird way. You know what I mean? Maybe. Because there's just dudes who are just out there that don't know what they're supposed to be doing right now. They're like, I don't have a man. What am I supposed to do? That's <laughs> true. Yeah, I think Creighton wins this game 4-5. All right. I mean, if, if Bama can push Minnesota, who was a tournament team, a good tournament team, they, they won a game in the tournament last year. If they well, can it was put, two years ago, right? Like, Colin Sexton was two oh, years ago. Oh, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two years ago. So I, I mean, don't know if Minnesota made they, I think they did I make the tournament did. that year. Yeah. Uh, if if they can almost beat Minnesota three on five, and that was an Alabama team that I think they won an NCAA tournament game that year. They, they did. They lost yeah. to Villanova, right? On the way that when Villanova went to the title, uh, won the title. I don't remember that, but um, so I thought they beat Virginia Tech and lost to Villanova in the second round. That's correct. Okay. Eighty nine, eighty four, lost to Minnesota. Yeah. Called Sexton. He only had 40, so. That's what I said. <laughs> no, I was just kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, if they can, if they can, if Colin Sexton can go 40 and they can push Minnesota to the wire three on five, I think Creighton can beat UTRGV. Was, was the situation? I think, I think Mitch Marcus and Tyshawn can beat UTRGV three on five. Then. If that can happen, yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm giving you Mitch, Marcus, and Ty. And just letting you play the Vacheros? Vacueros? Vacueros? Yeah. Yeah. They cowboys were. in Spanish. Oh, is it really? I should fucking say cowboys then. I, I don't know, man. It's, it's a... But I was trying to... I, that, that was tripping me up all night. I was like, I didn't even know if I wanted to type it half the time. <laughs> You try to mix it up, you know, when you say the nickname and not uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, right. So I was like, "How do you say this thing? Is it a Y or V?" Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Mitch Ty and Marcus could have beat this team three and five. I'm not ready to go there, but no. 
despite the evidence. I mean, they didn't play the whole. Despite the evidence I've laid before you, Alabama didn't play the whole game three on five. So, had they of, they might have won. <laughs> Based on the sample size they were putting together with the three on five, you could argue that that was a that that was a bad coaching decision on Avery Johnson's part to play five on five early in the game. You don't think outside the box sometimes. Yeah, you? I know. Don't always think conventional is the only way to go, right? Um, let's see. Uh, Brendan Leppert wants to know the play-by-play guy mentioned that Davion had a setback with his ankle, but didn't touch on it again. Is he not close to returning? I actually finally would say he is kind of close to returning. It seems it seems like he's. And close. I would consider. I don't know. I haven't actually. I don't know the details of this setback, but I think it would be a minor one. That's what it on, felt like. Yeah. Honestly, I thought you made a really good point the other day when you said it was just maybe about a usage thing with the turnaround of... Uh, but then he didn't suit up today, though. That yeah, right. Day. That's true. But, I, yeah, they practiced... In the morning, early morning, basically. They, right, they practiced early Thursday, Thursday morning after practicing, like, noon to 2 on Wednesday. So it was, like, 2 to 9 or 2 to 10. It's kind of a quick turnaround. Maybe that's why he said... <coughs> I don't know. I think the foot... McDermott made, alluded to it after the game that the foot maybe didn't respond well after Wednesday, and then he was just kind of doing treatment on Thursday and then didn't suit up today. So I don't know if if you want to characterize that as a setback, but it kind of felt like a minor one. Yeah, I agree. He was he he looked like he was on track to play mm-hmm. until Thursday. So um, two weeks ago, then again, so did Kelvin. He, so I was, I was surprised. Right. He, I was surprised he didn't play tonight either. Two weeks ago, though, Damian Mintz wasn't on the practice court, so he's making yeah. progress. It's just yeah, there was definite progress time. made because he practiced two out of the three opportunities yeah. he had this week. So that's more than he's done um, since the injury. And honestly, he looks pretty good. Like he looks like he's in shape and ready to ready to contribute. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's going to be some kinks that he's going to have to work out. Um, and same with Denzel too jumping into this rotation but like man they they they, they really need they need anybody yes they need some help they, here. Could, they could use you and me if they needed if they, I no i don't no? think we could i thought she said you used to be able to dunk i can i sh- dunked I can one sh- time in my life oh that's it yeah one time i thought you I'm said pretty sure that the, i'm pretty sure you worded it i could dunk back in the day like on on, on a certain day the one day that i did that's not the way I was led to believe. I don't know. I, I just, I First of all, you said you could, pull, you could pull on the ball, right? Yeah. Well, that helps, it. doesn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I don't. You only dunked one time? I dunked one time, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I think the, the rim was, like, bent down a little bit, so it was, like, not even a real dunk. Man, I thought I used to think this is changing all the things I used to yeah. think I knew about you. Sorry. I apologize, but it's okay. real talk now. <laughs> I mean, can you do anything else? Blue Jay beat after dark. I gotta, yeah, I gotta come clean. Yeah, it's confessional. Is there anything else you can do? I can I can shoot and pass really well. Do we have a complete basketball player here? Can you can you compliment that? I, I'm kind of scrappy. I mean, I, like right. I, I go get offensive boards. So you're getting in, you're putting you're sticking your nose in and going after a, yeah a loose ball. Is what I, you're always moving. I think that that's a benefit to my game where I just. Tough, tough to guard okay. until basically so what, every shoot. time what happens on the pickup when I step in the, on on the basketball floor for a pickup game, it's like they'll first like a few times up and down. I'll steal a couple offensive rebounds and then they start boxing me out and I'm too little. As soon as somebody puts a body on me, I like fly off the court. So <laughs> then they start boxing me out and I'm like, all right, well that part of my game's so gone. I'm not going in there anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, all, right. all right, time to adjust. Yeah. 
that's fair. Uh, Patrick Marshall, by the way, that's not the dude's real name. Um, is Creighton is Christian Bishop putting too much pressure on himself uh, to carry the load, and is that why he's having foul trouble issues versus the games when Jones is playing? Um, I don't think he's trying to carry too much of a load. I don't think it. I don't know if it's pressure on himself. I think he's just. I think he's just a very tenacious, high-energy basketball player, and he doesn't understand how to like rein that into the point where uh, sometimes his fouls are like he's just playing hard and he runs over a dude. It's a foul. It's like okay, yeah. I mean, it's hard to even argue with the foul sometimes. It's just like, oh well, I was trying hard. It's like, yeah, but you elbow the dude in the face trying to get the ball <laughs> like it's a foul. You know what I mean? That's kind of what. He that's kind of like, my read on most of his mis- well, most of his fouls. Against, against like, Nebraska, just, he had like two or three where he was standing straight up, but his feet were inside the circle, and all if all if he would have just jumped up, it wouldn't have been a foul because mm-hmm. of the verticality rule. But if you're if you're on two feet inside the circle, it's a block. Yep. So he's just, he's just got to get up. Right. To me, that's an experience thing. Okay. And sort of like just being comfortable in the position <coughs> and knowing what where you are on the court and awareness. That comes with reps. Um, tonight, tonight felt like more about what you're saying, where he was just kind of like battling for position or battling for rebounds, and got caught in some bad situations or something like that. I mean, he got did he have one or two offensive fouls? I know he had an offensive foul on a screen, a legal screen, and yeah. I thought he had another one, but maybe it was just battling for a board. Yeah, but, the rest were all underneath. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, know. I, you know I who think. I think you should talk to is uh, Chevy Sonsacy, the assistant coach for Crate Women's Basketball. Yeah. Because uh, talking to Tatum Rimbaud this year about her just, I don't know, evolving her game into being more of a sound, steady point guard as opposed to just a ball of fire running <laughs> up and down the floor. Yeah. yeah. Um, because that's what that's what Christian is kind of like. Yeah, he's, he's basically he's, just he's gasoline lit on fire and thrown onto the court. It's like, all right, go do stuff. Um, Which is great if you have, you know. Depth. There's definitely there's good that comes from it <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah, but there's also bad. Uh, like, but and and, it, and her thing was she she taught me how to play at a cool six instead of a crazy ten. So I feel like Christian is stuck on a crazy ten right now and doesn't know how to, you know, dial back the. The speedometer a little bit to make a play. He's just always making that play at a ten. Don't you feel like he has to go through people to do it? To me, that's a reps thing. He just needs to play more. That's what it feels like. I mean, Rembaud's in her third year, so I mean, it's yeah. That goes to your point about just. I mean, you know, Bishop basically didn't play until the second half of the season last year, Mm -hmm. but he got he got a decent amount of minutes as a reserve five, but. I mean, the other thing that's working against him is at as a five, he's he's undersized, so he has to make up for that with effort. Yeah. So how do you? So and then what he's what he's what's getting him in trouble is his effort, um, because he's trying to. But if he doesn't you know, play with effort, then he's going to get run over. <laughs> exactly. That's right. So it's it's kind of like a tough situation, yeah. but. Um, yeah, I think it's just gonna. It's gonna have to be something that just comes with experience. I agree with John on this one. I don't think it's a. Uh, I don't think it's anything where he's putting too much pressure on himself. Yeah, I, think I don't. He's just, I, don't feel I that think much. he's just playing free out there, and, and mistakes are coming along with it. Yeah. Um. Our last one is from Alex Sindelar. He wants to know what's the best Christmas gift you've 
What's the best Christmas gift you've ever given someone? I don't know. That's a great question. It is really. My brother-in-law gave my sister uh, an an engagement ring. Did she say yes? She did because he's my brother-in-law. Well, you didn't. I mean. I don't know how many sisters you have. Maybe you married the other sister. I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> I only have one sister. There's some crazy, crazy twists. But that was a cool moment for our family. He okay. did that at at a Christmas gathering. So that's not me, but like to yeah, me, that a, seems like an amazing gift. That's a pretty. That's a pretty. Uh, that's a pretty amazing. It's a pretty moment. special moment. So I like mm. that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I haven't given anybody. Oh, humble brag time. Um because this is a dick move usually in this setting. Uh, but Secret Santa deal, like where you have like a $25 yeah. ceiling. And, you, and you've seen the... Have you, you ever watched The Office? Yeah. Or have you ever watched it? So like where Michael... <laughs> ruins it? Yeah. Yeah. He totally ruins it by yeah. buying all these expensive gifts. And uh, and then the, doesn't he turns it into like Dark Yankee, Santa or something? Yankee Swap. Yankee Swap. Yankee Swap, right. yeah. What's the other nickname for it? White Christmas? Is that okay. what it's called? It's not, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a pretty funny episode. Um, so yeah, like so, Secret Santa's we had like twenty five dollar uh, max or cap. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't. I was only the only. I don't know how I got drawn into it, but it was it was my friend's family, and I was just there hanging out with him one night, and they were drawing Secret Santa's, uh, Secret Santa assignments basically, and they were like, "Hey, you want to throw your name in?" I was like, "Sure." So I threw my name in, and I drew uh, my buddy's two nieces, and they were like five and six or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so they were the only like little kids in the in the whole pool, if you will. So I went above my cap to get them like these cool like princess castle things and like a sofa, like something that's a really cool like kid Christmas gift yeah. that they could play with for a long time. Um, but I went way above the cap to do it. So normally it's like a dick move, but like they loved the kids were it freaking out. out. It, oh, it they, they, out well. and yeah. the parents were like, "Oh my god, this is the best gift they've ever gotten for Christmas." Yeah. And I was like, I kind of felt bad then. I was like, that, "That's right." I don't know if I meant to outparent the parent there, but because I, I, they, because it was kids, I was like, "This is what Christmas is about." It's like making kids freak out. No doubt, present, that is so. the best part. Like, yeah. so I, right there, I'm, I, can I rem- that's the best. I can I've remember, like, I, I mean, I, I don't have kids. But like sleeping in my bed at my aunt's house, and my nieces coming coming in at like six in the morning and jumping on the bed. They're like five at, or three and five at the time, or four and six, uh-huh. and being like, "Let's open presents." Like that's that is a really cool feeling. Mm-hmm. And then I'd always get some assist from my sister in terms of like, "Hey, this is what they want." Yeah, give them this, that type of thing. So I love you, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Buy their love with this stuff. <laughs> <Yeah. Right. laughs> Thank you, Uncle John. Right. You're welcome. Thought of it all myself. I, I knew exactly what you wanted. Yeah, uh, Christmas is for the kids. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's your first? Uh, what was the first thing you bought your son? Soon to be. My my son to be, yeah, your son to be. <laughs> what was I mean, the first thing you? What was, yeah. the, what was the first? What was the first like thing that you bought him that's gonna that he's gonna play with? I guess that you were like, oh, he'll love my, my, well, my I son. Will love this. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. I, I, I bought him an outfit, but I don't 
don't think I've actually bought him any like toys or anything. Okay, could have just lied there and said. I, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm just being real. I think. Right. Are you gonna buy him something for crying out loud? I'll probably buy him a basketball. Do we have to, do we have to buy bu- your kids? No, I'll probably buy. Everybody him. buy John's kids toys because no, we got he's not gonna do. We got a lot of we got a lot of stuff for this this kid. He's gonna be he's got too much stuff already. I mean, all you've named so far is clothes. And I know, but that's me personally. Oh, my, Megan's on. Okay, okay. Yeah, Megan's on. Like, have you lived in there? Me going to the store by myself and buying something. Yeah. Are you gonna try to like turn him into John Junior with the like teams he roots for and stuff? Or are you gonna, like buy him like Braves dolls? Nah, I'm gonna let him. I'm gonna let him. I'm, I'm a believer in letting people like who they like. Okay. Cause say you root for the Braves, the Jaguars. Who's your favorite soccer team? Everton. Yeah. That's all right. Um. Yeah, so you gotta let him. You gotta let him choose. I don't. You gotta I don't let him. You gotta, you gotta hope he chooses a better path. If he follows yeah, in your say, footsteps, that's, that's his own my, choice. My, yeah, my path of despair. Yeah, because you're you're leading him down. Purdue, Purdue. I went to Purdue, so you know, there's a lot of heartbreak that Boilermaker fans have endured mm-hmm. over my lifetime. So, I mean, you got him two dogs right away. That's pretty cool. Not many kids get one. Right off the bat, you're getting yeah. two. So I had to wait till I would tell you, wait till I was like six years old before we got a did dog. Did you really? Yeah, to, I think that was around the same age with that. So yeah, think about that. You've already got two dogs. Good job, Dad. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think we should wrap it up. Um. So yeah, whiteandbluereview.com. Trying to pump up our stuff. Uh, this is podcast post game wrap up from tonight. Uh, women's basketball plays. Wichita State, if you're listening to this tonight somehow, I don't know, 12 hours left. Uh, they play them at 1 tomorrow, so we'll have coverage from that. And then the Jays men's basketball team plays Oklahoma on Tuesday night. Yeah. So, yeah, um, look for all that stuff. And then – And, Matt, you did it. You talked to Kirsten Bernthal Booth for 50 40 minutes. Oh, yeah, 40 I need 45, 50 minutes. 50 minutes. I need to pump that. Yeah. I, I, I was like, I just put that out there, and I didn't really, like – pump it up right. I'll do that I'll get that going next week for sure but yeah that was a really good conversation with Kirsten with Bob Booth um, about you know just recapping this year looking forward to next year and some interesting stuff about UConn's addition to the Big East and what that means for scheduling potentially so um, that was a pretty interesting conversation for sure um, so we'll get that out uh, to you if you haven't heard it yet and then I'll swing it over to my buddy John here to preview some stuff to look ahead for on Omaha.com and his right, newspaper. So I wrote a little bit about the MLB draft coming to Omaha That's this right. last week. That's right. So I'm actually doing a little bit more I was, about I was that. eavesdropping on your interview yesterday. Who were you talking to? Or do you not oh, want to say? No, I was talking to the uh, CWS, the head of the CWS for the NCAA, Anthony Holman. Okay. Um, good conversation. Yeah, it was pretty good. So I'll probably write a little bit more on that next week, but also – felt like for two days this last week, I stepped away from creating coverage mm-hmm. and focused solely on that. That's a big deal, though, Omaha getting the MLB draft. Well, yeah, I mean, I think one thing that it signals is, is sort of an acknowledgement from MLB and the NCAA that Omaha is an awesome sports town that will support yeah. something like that. And maybe, Was maybe, it too much to say it's like the nation's capital of ML, of amateur baseball? I mean, if you think about it. like Yeah, I think that's fair. The title is... Amateur sports. Maybe the nation's capital of amateur sports. Okay. Um, but, it, but you know, I'm kind of curious, and I still haven't figured all of this out at this moment, but, like, how the MLB draft... Or how the MLB sees its draft. What's the future of it? 
Um, what did the, what did they envision envision for this event? Mm-hmm. To make it more of a did they want an exciting to be, event yeah, like, uh, like the NFL wanted, and NBA draft, right? right? Yeah, those, yeah. I'm kind of curious on that, but anyway, um, you know, Creighton's playing. The men are playing twice next week, mm-hmm. so uh, big games. Oklahoma, Arizona yeah, State. It's a it's a big games for their so, resume too because. Um, you know, last year Creighton let a few, especially the home games, they let a few home games get away, and if even one of those is, is changed, we could argue that that might be the difference in them making it or not. And I'm very curious to see the NET, uh, the first NET rankings come out on Monday, and I'm curious to see where the Jays sit mm-hmm. because I'm curious to see where the whole Big East sits because I've I'm I'm kind of like looking for a. Well, one you know, of the theories the marquees, is, and I'm not seeing many in my one opinion. Of the, one of the theories is is that. You don't necessarily have to win with the NET. You don't necessarily have to win those games, but if you play them close, then you can still get a bump. Okay. So Seton Hall playing Michigan State close, <coughs> when the RPI, it would get no credit for that. Mm-hmm. But in the NET, you get some credit for that, and maybe some like Butler pushing Baylor and only losing by one on the road. It almost goes into the books, analytically speaking, as a win. So does that – what about Creighton, Michigan – where like Michigan has stopped Carolina and Gonzaga, Creighton and Michigan. Right, maybe maybe that different. yeah, maybe that has a positive effect on Creighton's okay. NET even though it lost by ten on the road. You know, okay. like what about the San Diego State game? No. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good to say about that analytically speaking. <laughs> but I, I the one one of the reasons why I'm curious about it with Creighton is because uh, the Jays have had several games this year, not not tonight, but several games this year where They've built big leads and then lost them late, really when it hadn't, hadn't mattered. I mean, Nebraska trimmed like 11 points off that final score in the final three 90 minutes. Seconds. <laughs> 90 seconds, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that kind of ha- that's happened a few times. And while the, NET, too, yeah. while the NET does have sort of a built in margin of victory cap, it also has a segment of it that is based purely on your raw efficiency numbers so how you know what you score on offense versus what you score on defense per possession and uh that factors in as well so there's no margin for get victory cap on that part piece of it yeah and uh so the jays efficiency margin is smaller than it probably should be given its lack of depth um that it's dealt with all season so I'm, i am kind of curious to see if that has any impact at all um, on where the Jays sit in the NET. So, yeah. Um, that's a good start from John. You need to subscribe to the World Herald, buy a newspaper, follow his coverage. Uh, he busts his ass. So and He's got a baby on the way, and we have... When's the due date? January 16th? January 16th. Okay. Any so it's due January 16th, so basically we have three more home podcasts. Oh, yeah. Which means three more opportunities for us to tell you, or me to tell you. John isn't really embracing this as much as I feel like. <laughs> I feel like I'm just forcing it upon him. Three more opportunities for me to tell you to uh, subscribe to the World Herald, and with that subscription, just submit a little list of names and see if one of them catches John's eye and Mrs. Megan Niatawa approves of it and names the baby after your suggestion. It's possible. It's a cool little perk, I think. Um, so yeah, Omaha.com, buy a newspaper, subscribe to read all of great John's great work, uh, whiteandbluereview.com for this podcast and other post-game coverage of this game and 
uh, future games. So thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again on Tuesday night after Creighton plays Oklahoma. Have a good weekend, everybody.